get notifications and stay updated every time I post a challenge podcast by hitting the subscribe button. Thank you all and hope you enjoy. Yeah, me too, bro. I'm such a pacer. All right. Joining me now today is he's from the real world Sydney and the challenge, Isaac Stout. Thanks for coming on today, man. Hola, konnichiwa, and namaste. Hey, man, you came up quite a bit in request of uh, fans, whatever I asked who they wanted to see. No. Yeah, it was pretty frequent for a a while. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you, anybody that wants to see my my mug. I don't know why. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I know you're not one to shy away from, uh, you know, speaking, you know, your piece. So this uh, is something I'm definitely looking forward to doing. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, too. I think we're going to crush it. This is going to be the best podcast that's ever happened in the history of the a known podcast. universe. A pod, not podcast, technology, internet, anything ever anything. that's ever crappier than what we're about to drop right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So let's talk a, bit, a little bit about your casting process for, uh, you know. Oh, boy. Because I know that was a bit of a, you know, trip and a half. So let's hear about it again. Have you done, like, research or something? Uh, I've got it pr- under pretty good authority. I, uh, you know, had a little bit of a listen, and you talked about it with uh, Derek, and I thought it was quite compelling. So. All right. So basically what happened was I didn't have any – interest in being on the real world because I didn't know what it was and I kind of had a a view of reality tv at the time and again I'm 34 now I think 34 I'm 34 34 and I did it when I was 20 so to a lot of these millennials that's I mean we're talking ages ago and reality tv just came out and I was like these people look like assholes like I don't want to be that guy and then, basically, long story short, the girl that I was dating at the time in Arizona really wanted to do it, and she wanted me to go with her to this casting call, and I was like, I don't want to, but she was my girlfriend, so eventually, you know, she's your girlfriend, so she gets to tell you what to do after a while of burning you down, and so I was like, all right, here's the deal. I just came home from... Uh, the, the store and I was listening in my car to the radio station and they said, Hey, the real world casting is coming to a live casting to Arizona, but you guys can get a free front of the line pass if you call in. And so I told her, I was like, all right, here's the deal. You've been bitching at me every day about this and I will call. Okay. I'll call. And if they say that I don't win the front line passes, because at that point in time, this was like, you know, American Idol where people are, you know, camping outside in tents and doing crazy stuff. It was very intense. And uh, I said, you know, I'll call if he says no, then it's no go. And you got to stop being an asshole. And if I if they say yes, then I'll go with you because we get front of the line passes. We don't have to camp. We don't have to do all that stuff. That's a safe bet for me, right? It's like betting against winning the lotto. I call. Two seconds later, the dude picks up, and he's like, hey, this is blah, 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 blah. Congratulations, you won. Blah, blah, front of the line passes. And in order to show up, you got to present your ID. 
and you know, you and a plus one get to go to this audition. So I was like, ah, crap. So I won. Unfortunately, I had a DUI at the time. I've only had one DUI, and I was not even drinking and driving. I was smoking weed in my car in the parking lot of my college. And I didn't even intend on driving anywhere. I just wanted to smoke a little bit of weed and listen to the radio in the car. But if the keys are in the ignition, turn the radio on, then you're a drunk driver. So I do not appreciate drunk drivers. Don't think they're cool, but I wasn't one. Either way, I had to go to jail because it's Arizona, and they have a minimum one-day, 24-hour jail sentence, or I don't even remember what it was, but you have to go to jail. You have to if you if you get accused and caught. And I was at ASU or U of A. Anyway, the cop, I was a smart aleck. I was a stupid young kid, and I was trying to be cool in front of the cop and do dumb stuff, so I got arrested. And my jail date was the same day as this show up with my ID audition day, which stunk. So me being an asthmatic, which is something until recently I didn't admit because of the challenges, you know, people take advantage of stuff like that. They're like, oh, Isaac's not a good competitor because he gets winded. I'm like, I didn't get winded. I have asthma. It's medical, mother, you know, people like Zach. I'm not going to name names. But people are really, really insensitive to my medical-born condition, Zach. And I'm not going to say name, Zach. So, anyway, I ran back and forth from my house to the 7-Eleven just ripping Newport 100 cigarettes, sprinting and running. And I induced an asthma attack the day before. I went to the hospital. I had the doctor talk to the judge. I called the judge at like 12 midnight. And I was like, oh, I'm in the hospital. I can't go to jail tomorrow. And the doctor talked to the judge, and the judge, the doctor told the judge, yeah, this kid has an asthma attack right now. And so I uh, went to this interview with the chick, and I'm sitting outside, which is, this is so stupid now that I think about it, looking back, because I was sitting outside of the building on a bench, smoking Newport still. <laughs> I already went to the hospital for an asthma attack. I'm still ripping cigs outside of this building board while the chick goes in and does her interview. And this guy sits next to me and uh, starts talking to me. And, you know, we're just shooting this shit and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Are you, did, you're a tryout? And I was like, I'm technically, yeah, I'm a tryout, but I'm not down with that reality stuff. And he was like, you know, if you win or not win, but, you know, if you get casted, then pretty much you get paid to go to a location could be an exotic location could be in the United States, but you know, everything's paid for and you get paid and you live in basically a mansion with a bunch of attractive young people. And then when you get off the show, your job is kind of to go to bars and nightclubs and get paid to be flown around the country and party. And, you know, when you go to a nightclub afterwards, they have been saying, Isaac from the real world is coming here. So every chick that ever saw you on TV and likes you is going to line up and you just got to show up, get drunk and get paid. And I was like, you know what? I think it's really time for us to really start rethinking this reality TV stuff because that sounds real cool, like real, real cool. So I went in there. I did a 
I actually did an interview, which I wasn't going to do. They interviewed me. The next day, they called me and said, hey, you want to do another interview? And I said, okay. I went and did another interview. And then, like, I don't know, three, four months later, I hadn't heard anything. So it wasn't even a thing in my mind. And they called me up, and they're like, so? And you could tell it was like a staged call. They're like, how do you feel about if you were to go on the real world? And I was like, no, I'm kind of over it at this point just fucking around with them and they were like wait are you serious isaac are you serious i was like no i'm kidding yeah why they're like whoa okay 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 so they like reset this recorded phone call and they're like i'm not gonna tell you where you're going but here's a hint there's kangaroos there and i was like will you just i mean that 100 percent tells me where i'm going there is not any i mean is it iowa so that was the whole story it was kind of adventurous and usually they're used to dealing with people that are like oh my god i have to be on this show i have to so i was kind of like i'm extremely appreciative of everything they've done for me and the exposure and all that stuff but i'm not that um social media type of person yeah personally like, I kind of hide a lot, which is not good for me or my business, but I don't like to be, I don't really care what you had for brunch or the pictures that you take of it, and I really don't want you to know where I am at any given time. Now, personally, right now, at this point in time, I'm with the hot blonde chick in the kitchen making two different pizzas, and yes, by making pizzas, I mean we made the dough from scratch. One of them is a gyro with homemade uh, baba ganoush, no, yes, homemade baba ganoush, gyro pizza, tzatziki sauce as a base, and the other one is a McDonald's uh, Big Mac base with, um, it's going to be like a Big Mac cheeseburger as a pizza. So that's my introduction. Hello, my name's Isaac Gabriel Mendelmeyer Stout. His name is my name too. What's up? <laughs> wow. I know. That, was, uh, that was quite the, uh, you know, introduction, man, I must thank say. You. Thank you. I'm just thanking you because I'm assuming you mean that in a good way. Oh, of course. But no, how do you feel about, uh, you know, the location going to uh, Sydney? Were you okay with it? Fuck yeah. Am I allowed to swear, by the way? Do I need yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, you're fine. All right. Yeah, dude. I saw the real worlds I saw. They're like real world Boston. Real world, St. Louis. I got Sydney, Australia in a mansion next to the world's largest IMAX. Uh, me and Kahuta, who's to this day one of my best friends in the world, were like, fuck yeah, like, come on now. Do I want to be in here or in Maryland? But so it, our real world house was in Darling Harbor, Cockle Bay. Um, which is a huge tourist spot in Sydney. It's like Times Square-esque in Sydney. And it's a huge horseshoe-shaped harbor. And the world's largest IMAX was next door to us on one side. On the other side of us was a McDonald's, which is awesome because we were sponsored by McDonald's and Subway. And we got a bunch of free stuff. But the... The house that we were in used to be 
a huge, booming, like the biggest nightclub in Sydney. It was three levels, and it was huge. And I mean, me and Kahada would sit in this um, jacuzzi that literally fit a surfboard. It was so big that we could put, I used to hold the surfboard in the jacuzzi and Kahuta would sit on it. That's not going to show up on TV because they only like to show effing and effing, like fighting and effing. Um, and me and Kahuta playing darts and playing with surfboards in a jacuzzi was not really that cool for TV. <laughs> but we had a great time doing it. And one time it was like four o'clock in the afternoon me and him are just sitting there drinking beers in our jacuzzi right by the front door, you know, in our bathing suits and hanging out and throwing darts out of the jacuzzi at the dartboard and just not really talking shit or creating drama. So you're out of camera light and two chicks, good looking chicks walked in the house like and they were hammered and it was like four o'clock in the afternoon and they were like, they thought they were walking into the Sydney's biggest bar that they had been to months ago. They didn't know they revamped it into a real world house. And so they just came in and be at Cahutta. There were no shirts on in our bathing suits. We're like, hey. And they're like, where the, what is this? And we're like, yeah, that's uh, a jacuzzi. Like, come on in. And the chicks took their, I mean, they just stripped down to their undergarments and got into the pool with us. Jacuzzi. Wow. I know. And I was like, this is the coolest damn house in the world. You could just hang out, two guys, drinking beer in a jacuzzi, throwing darts, and chicks just wander in off the street. Like, <laughs> hey, we're looking for a party. And we're like, well, you're in luck. <laughs> you got two parties right here. Yeah, so, yeah, the location was pretty good. <laughs> so now... Your uh, four of your roommates actually made their challenge debuts on the island, which was a season before yours, where you're basically living on an island, some survivor type stuff, you know, like oh. no mansion. You're all just living there. You had Ashley, Kahuta, Kellyanne, and Dunbar there. So now I'm basically going to ask you, would you have uh, liked to go on that island season or, or would um, you, uh, you know? Hell no. I mean, first of all, I would never compete face to face with Kahuta on survival wilderness type of stuff. That's just not smart ever. Uh, he knows what he's doing and Annie is my best, one of my best friends. So I wouldn't compete against him. I don't like competing against him. But second of all, you know, the challenges are fun as shit for maybe third. Like here's how it goes. You get into the house and you're with 30 people that are all, unique casted individuals from all walks of life from all over the United States, usually the United States and everyone's crazy and everyone likes to party. And generally speaking, everyone's pretty decent looking. So, you know, hookups and stuff like that happen. Everybody, every single night you have like a week or two before you actually start filming where you just fly in, you see everybody at the airport and everybody's just, partying and having a good time with one another for like two weeks and then the challenges start and you do two or three challenges per week and you got to start competing and then people start turning up because of airtime. like you know at home 
they don't realize how much airtime is important to some of these people. And I, like I previously said, I'm not huge on airtime. I would rather just get all the perks and the hot chicks and the money and not show up on camera. But to some of these people, they have, they care nothing about the money. They just want to be seen. They just need to be, to have airtime. And here's a, here's a good example. When I was in the challenge house in New Zealand, I think. The dual two. How do you know this shit more than me? That's not okay. But <laughs> there was our house was one level, and we had a pool in the middle of it, and it was just awesome. It was an awesome house. We had a huge spread in the backyard, but everyone was kind of partying in like the the kitchen and the living room and kind of outside. And I was like, I'm turning this party up. So I went outside out of the front door where no one could see me leave. I scaled onto the roof of the house and then I just sprinted and tried to do a, a front flip like a gainer into the pool and just as I was doing that I jumped off the roof into the pool and I heard all the girls go oh my god no Isaac stop and so in my head I'm like okay apparently there are sharks in the pool like as I'm in midair in mid front flip over the roof at nighttime, halfway drunk, uh, falling, I have to react to what are they screaming about? Why are the girls all screaming? I was like, there's sharks in it. There's fucking sharks in the pool, I guess. Or they just clean the pool and there's chemicals that I'm going to land in. It's going to burn my eyes out. Or there's, I don't know, there's something horrible about this pool that I'm about to get screwed. I hit the water. I, you know, come out of the water and the girls go, you got to tell the cameraman when you do stuff like that and i was like oh my god like i just wanted to jump off the roof into the pool i wasn't doing it because i needed everyone to see me do it i just thought it would rank up the party to the next level but that's what these people and it's not just women it's men too they just need that camera time and i'm hey at this point in my life i have a business of my own and so it is a financial commodity like the more followers you have the more opportunities you have for sales and money and stuff like that so yes being popular on social media and on tv is super cool but at the time i just wanted to get drunk and jump off a roof you know yeah i feel you definitely uh, a little <laughs> incentive you know um yeah. so honestly on the dual two I'd say that, you know, CT and Adams fight is like basically a big, you know, thing that's remembered from that season. But I have it under good authority on the shit they should have shown edition of uh, Duel 2. Actually, you and CT got into it before him and Adam did. Oh, me and CT get into it every single time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about uh, how you and CT on the Duel 2 uh, started. And then after you talk to me about that, kind of... Uh, you know, break down him and Adam after that, since you obviously were there. Everybody always wants to talk about this, and I will talk about it, but my my kind of standard is that I'm not down to talk shit. I'm not that reality dude, so I'm not going to say anything offensive to other people, but me and CT are, we're friends in real life. Like, he comes to Atlanta all the time. We hang out. 
and his persona on the show is very different than his persona in real life. And when I say that, I'm not talking shit. I'm just saying that in real life, he's super chill, and we just hang out, and we do fun stuff. But when we're on the show, yeah, no, he's CT. Everybody knows who CT is. He's a wild man. He's crazy. He likes to fight. And so sometimes it, it is difficult for me to know what the line is between those two. And so if we're in real life and he says something, I'm like, fuck off. Eat shit. You know, fuck you. But on the show, if you say that to CT when he knows there's a camera turned on, then he has to defend his reputation, kind of. It's never going to go anywhere. We're never going to fist fight on camera. But, you know, everyone has to show their chest and, and whatever. And as soon as I'm like, oh, crap. Like, he really is down to physically fight right now on camera on national TV with my friends and my parents and my younger cousins watching. I'm not going to do that. So... I just kind of was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And luckily, Adam hit him in the face with a Diet Coke can the next day. So our little disturbance didn't become national news. And the funny thing is that Adam should have. I mean, Adam had every right to do that. If you ever watched their season, I'm really good friends with Ace. By the way, Ace, side note is in Georgia, I'm in Georgia, and Ace is building, he's from the Paris season with CT, there was this crazy hot springs, which is one of the only ones in the United States that's a natural hot spring, and they built this enormous, insane pool out of this hot spring, and I'm talking about Nixon went there, like in the 60s, it was like this huge American resort, and then it just went to shit. Ace is by himself rebuilding that resort right now and he's i talk to him every week or so but he spends his time lost doing crazy rebuilding native american sites in the wilderness so that's awesome that was a side note but he knows ct ct and me and ace would hang out all the time and i really did lose my train of thought of what i was talking about adam and ct yeah it was before that you said that Adam had every right to... Uh... Oh, 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 so the reason I was talking to Ace one night, late night, me and him, I'm also a professional muralist and artist, and Ace is kind of the one that one night we were drinking, believe it or not, and he was like, you know how to paint? And I was like, yeah, I know how to paint. And he didn't know what I was talking about, and I didn't know what he was talking about, but Ace built the most gangsterous bachelor pad that's ever existed in the world he lives under an art gallery underground in atlanta and the front of his like the way you get in his house is like a graffitied up horribly looking shitty wooden door that just looks so criminal that it looks like the door that you would enter if you want to be on a murder investigation show but when you get in there it's marble countertops and, and beautiful art and projector screens and cool stuff. And so he has three walls. And late night, he was like, you know how to paint? I was like, yeah. He's like, why don't you paint that wall? 
And I think he thought I was talking about painting as in like, I'll get up on a ladder with a roller and blue paint and paint the wall. And we can attach it after the video, but I painted the Buddha. Um, and he came back home because he at the time owned Flip Flops, the bar. So he went to the bar to manage it and he came back home and I had painted a mural on one of three sections of this wall. And he was like, what in the living hell did you do? And I was like, I told you I could paint. And he was like, that is insane. Can you paint the other two? And I was like, yes, absolutely for a fee. <laughs> Buddies, we're boys, but come on now. My time's valuable. He was like, I don't care what you want to charge. And so the next one, I painted the Dalai Lama in the same kind of sitting meditation position. And then the next wall out of the three, he's like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Obviously, me not telling you what to do is what comes up with cool shit. So what would you do? I mean, we have the Dalai Lama. We have Buddha. What are you going to do? Like probably like Jesus or something. And I was like, better. And I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that on a podcast, but Chuck motherfucking Norris <laughs> with two gold-plated uh, AK-47s, Chuck Norris, Dalai Lama, and I lost my place again. But um, CTAs, what was I talking about? And Adam. Okay, so me and Ace late night, we call it going into outer space because me and him – he is a night owl, and he will stay up all night and work. I mean, I'm talking about the hardest worker you've ever seen, but all night. And then he sleeps all day. So it was a bit of an adjustment when we were kind of living together. And uh, we got into this conversation one time about CT, and I was like, yeah, man, like on the show, you know, he comes here and he hangs out in Atlanta, and he's just chill, and everybody's cool all the time. But then when we get on the show, like, I have to figure out the line between, like, when me and him are boys and when he's doing his part to play his part. And uh, he's like, dude, Adam had every right. He's like, on my season, E.T. literally, just to be a bully, put a beer above his head, above Adam's head, and was like, you're not going to do anything about this when I do this. And he turned it upside down and poured it on his head just to prove he was a bigger man and on national TV. And Adam, which I don't know if a lot of people know this, but what's the uh, what's the singer's name? Not the Temptations, the uh, Richie. Richie. Who's the famous guy with the Jerry Curls? Richie, the singer. Ooh. Lionel Richie. Yes, Lionel Richie. You know that's Adam's godfather? Oh, wow. I did not know that. Not only is that Adam's godfather, but Adam's father was in The Temptations. And, you know, uh, Papa was a Rolling Stone. No, that wasn't it. No, it was. Uh, what was the. I got to stop asking other people questions, start learning stuff for myself. But either way, uh, Brick House. Brick House. So. I know we're going off on a lot of side notes, and I know you've said over almost 14 words this whole time, but listen. So she's a brick. Tickle, wickle, wham, ow. So 
Adam's dad was in the Temptations, and they had real hit records that were real hot and real awesome for a second. And then they went through a little bit of a lull where the record company was like, hey, you know, we supported you, but now we need a hot fire track. Like, we need something. And so from this is from him telling me, and I'm probably doing it not justice in uh, third-party communications, but his dad got really stressed about it. And he was like, we're going to, you know, go from stardom to back to nothing because um, we need to keep producing top 40 hits. And he, one night, the night before they had like this deadline to come up with the new hottest track, he just sat there with a bottle of whiskey and passed out in his chair. And he woke up to Brick House written out on a piece of paper on his like little thing next to his chair. His wife wrote it. So she's a brick. One of the most memorable songs of all time was written by his dad's wife because she just needed it. She needed, I mean, obviously she was an incredibly intelligent and creative woman and she needed to help him out and he couldn't help himself at that time. So I don't know if I just divulged too much personal information about Adam, but it was only meant in a good way. That being said, CT was a dick to Adam, like he picked on him, and I, I, I mean, I'm trying to dance a thin line here because, yes, I don't want to talk shit, but also by not talking shit, am I giving him? I don't. Uh, either way, either way, he was really mean to Adam, and Adam had been embarrassed publicly with his family on national television for no reason for a number of years. So you could understand why he took a Diet Coke, which, by the way, I love Diet Coke, and he smashed CT in the face with it. Now, after he did that, I was like, uh-oh, you can't, this ain't, this is not going to end bad or end good. So CT then took his shirt off as... Any grown male does when you start a fight, you first have to remove your shirt because that's essential to your tactics and your strength. Um, and he chased them around. And the funniest part of it, when I actually got to watch some behind the scenes footage and I watched the shit they should have shown, the funniest part of the whole thing was this happened on a Halloween night that it was actually Halloween, but they won't, they won't, they, they said it was someone's birthday because we film and then we release it months and months later. So they don't want to have the timeline in it. So yeah. instead of Halloween, which I brought two cases, suitcases of costumes because I knew it was going to be Halloween. And Big Easy makes fun of me all the time. He's like, this motherfucker gets off a plane. He doesn't know if we're going to have to trek 10 miles through the desert with our luggage. And he felt it impertinent to bring big funny noses and like cost two cases of costumes. Isaac thinks the costumes are important and he brought a white t-shirt and camo shorts to wear the entire three months. But you get out there, everyone's in costume, everyone's dressed up. Um, and Adam 
was like, dude, I'm done. Like I have, I'm going to hit him. And I, I was like, I mean, honestly, if you feel that way, like maybe you should, but if you hit CT, you have to knock him out in the first hit. You have to, because if you leave that man awake, he's going to rape you. <laughs> like he's going to fuck your whole world up on national TV. And so he's like, okay, so I guess the most vicious weapon he could find in the house was a Diet Coke can. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing about this. But he hit him with, he hit him in the nose. CT got hit. And then he looked up and I was like, oh boy. And I'm going to die today. And then CT took it to the next level. And I'm talking about, he tried to kill him. It was vicious. It was fucked up. Like, there and MTV has there's been some behind the scenes talks about they didn't have anyone as far as security, which is not cool. They didn't have any, they all they had was a producer, Troy, which I call Troy George for uh, my own reasons, but he wasn't fit to stop CT. Every other dude was like. What's going on? And I thought in my head, because this was a Halloween party, everyone was partying and having a good time. In my head, I really thought I was doing everything I could to stop this fight, right? I was like, I single-handedly crushed it. I killed it. I kept Adam safe. I kept CT from Adam because I'm friends with CT. I watched it on television, and I was like, Isaac, you are an absolute useless human being absolutely like i was dressed i don't even want to i'm not even going to say my costume because of the current political climate but it was offensive and i was literally doing this like i opened the door at one point i shut the door and in my head i was doing something to help i wasn't helping dt not only beat the shit out of adam but outside of the house, by like the garage area, there was slate rock wall that was, I'm talking about, you know, stacked rigid rocks. The whole wall was made out of these sharp stacked rigid rocks. CT grabbed Adam's head from the back and just went and just kept just slamming his face in this rigid, sharp rock wall. Until everyone that was watching was like, oh, my God, this has turned into a silly little fist fight to look masculine into you actually are going to kill this guy like he's going to die. Adam's face was just razor cut up. He had to go immediately to the hospital. CT had to go immediately to the airport like and go home. And MTV's like, whoa. Maybe we should start hiring like a security staff because we have we have grown men steroided up drinking in a house and competing with each other to see who can kill each other. And we never thought of the whole security aspect. And I was like, yeah, maybe. Sorry. Maybe. What were we <laughs> no, you're good. And um, you know, like everybody, Brad was there. Brad's an amazing guy. We're, I mean... I was like, at the time, I was kind of a ripped up five foot 11 and nine tenths, 
<laughs> and I was the smallest person there at 215 pounds. And everyone was like, yeah, we can all jump in if we want to, but how do you, I mean, and eventually Brad is the one, Brad and Mark Long are the ones that subdued CT, but that could, it could have easily been a murder scene, 100%. Yeah, Great. so now uh, I guess we'll uh, leave that topic and get into the next one now since, uh, you know, we kind of dove in uh, pretty deep on that one. So, sorry. so sorry. talk to me. Well, sorry and you're welcome all in the same sentence. <laughs> no, you're fine. I'm just joking. Um, so a topic that, you know, isn't really talked about as much. Um, Landon cut your toenail on Duel 2. <laughs> And then you, you call them into elimination. I Google. That was not. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, you're not going to like this answer, but the challenges are, for the most part, politic, at least when I was doing them, they're politically negotiated before they ever happen. We know who the winner is before it's even filmed. We talk in the airport. We say, all right, all right. The, the deal is, you know, it's a $300,000 $300, pot. If we let him win, he's going to divvy up that $300,000. I'll get fifteen. dollars I'll throw a challenge. He'll get twenty. dollars He'll get thirty. dollars He'll throw a challenge. And that's how it really works out in real life. Nobody wants to talk about it. But I wasn't in the in crowd on my first challenge, which was with Landon in Uruguay, you probably know better than me. Uh, New Zealand. Was that the was Landon on the duel too? I thought yeah, it was that a, was the duel too. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, exactly. You know better than me. So, <laughs> Landon, I like Landon. He doesn't like me very much, but <laughs> I had for some reason I was twenty something, and for some reason I was obsessed with growing out my big toenails and I fell asleep one night and Landon thought it was a funny prank to cut off my toenail and Landon was like picked to be the winner and the and the mother effort was I mean he's an athlete he used to go behind the, our house and sprint up the mountain and back and time himself and I was like dude I'm not even leaving the couch and this dude's sprinting up mountains so he was a triathlete. He was just a, C K, a Calvin Klein underwear model. The man was what a man's supposed to be. And nobody was looking forward to challenging Landon. But I woke up and my toenail was gone. And they were like, yeah, everybody got drunk last night. And Landon thought it was funny to cut your toenail off. And I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm, not today. Not today. And I called him out. And I was like, hey, I got picked to go on the challenge. They're like, pick who you want to go into the challenge with. And I could have picked Big Easy, who had a fucking heart attack on that season because he was fat. Love you, Big Easy. But you were fat and you had a heart attack. Okay? That's not my fault. And they were like, pick anyone. There was so many people that I could have murdered. And I picked Landon. And then in the interview, which... I could have done better, obviously. Always, I could have done better. But in the interview, they're like, why did you pick Landon? 
Was it an ego thing? Was it a television thing? I was like, that motherfucker cut my toenail. And they're like, <laughs> but seriously, though, why'd you pick Landon? And I was like, seriously, though, I've been growing that fucking toenail for like four months. And they're like, you're not. No. And I was like, yeah, fuck him. I lost, but if I would have beat him, it would have made up for everything. And you don't creep up on me and cut my big toenail in the middle of the night over there in New Zealand. That is not how we play this game. <laughs> and everyone thought I was a crazy person, but I guess it's because. It's not bad. You went out against, uh, you know, what many would believe to be either one of the greatest or, you know, maybe even the greatest challengers to ever do it. So. He's second, One way to go out, you know. He's second behind me. And TJ Labin uh, was the, the host. And we did the final ceremony. And, you know, after me and Landon, we, we went up against this puzzle thing that I thought I could beat him at. But the, the man's half monkey. And he beat me real bad. Not real bad. In real time, I lost a little bit. But he still beat me. And TJ Lavin, he said, uh, for like the final scene, he's like, well, Isaac, I guess that'll uh, teach you a lesson to call out the biggest, baddest man here. And I told TJ Lavin, fuck you. I was like, you just yelled at somebody else for not being brave enough and calling out a weaker person on this show. You just said that lesson, elimination. And now you're giving me shit? For calling out who everyone thinks is king in this thing. Like, I'm the bad guy. And then they stopped filming and they reshot the whole final scene. And TJ Lavin was like, Isaac, you aimed high and I respect you for aiming high and blah, blah, blah. And you didn't win this time, but maybe next time, you know, love you. Have a good day. And I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But uh, talk to me now about. Um, Are you from Boston? Maine, no. Uh, New York. Towards like the New York type area, New Jersey. Uh, mm. no, talk to me. <laughs> what uh, many people still talk about to this day, the uh, whole Battle of the Seasons incident when you guys were, uh, you know, at the airport and they kicked you out. Dude. And, uh, you know, talk to me about that story a little bit and maybe a theory as to what you really feel you know was the reasoning and how you felt that you guys would have done had you uh competed we were not told anything on the uh it, we were in turkey battle of the seasons i'd said uh, i said before that you know the challengers kind of talk about the outcome of the season beforehand and we literally were in the airport, and at that time, I was practicing for a jiu-jitsu championship. An amateur, but still a championship. I don't care if it's amateur, it's still a championship. And uh, I was at my physical peak. I was 215 pounds, ripped to shreds. It was me. Dunbar was in amazing shape. Kellyanne, obviously, Ashley, like them those two chicks were just fit out of the git and evan came up to nunbar in the airport and he goes listen 
everybody's team has a couple, one or two good people and one or two sloppies. And you guys are solid. So what do you think about you guys win this thing? We give them, Evan's team, 50 grand. And we give other people different amounts of money. And Dunbar went, yup. Like, we'll win this thing for sure. And I didn't even know this at the time. And then we went. MTV didn't have their stuff together whatsoever. We literally landed in Turkey. And we spent 24 hours trying to get from the airport to our hotel. And then... We were like laying on the ground at this Turkish restaurant, like laying outside on the concrete. No one knew what was happening. We had just traveled across the world, so we're a little tired, and we just wanted to go to the house. And MTV had no answers except for just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. So we waited, we waited, we waited. And then finally, everyone got in the van and went to the house, and they kept our team off of it. And... They said uh, nothing, really. And we went to the hotel, and we were with, I'm not going to say his name, but he was the head producer at the time. And they brought us all in a room, and they said, um, you know, this is the battle of the season, so we have to have four cast members for, you know, the, the team. And one of your team members was not able to make the cut. And now keep in mind that three months prior, everyone got individual health checks. We all went to the doctor's office and got really rigorous health tests, drug tests, all these different tests in order to be on this season. And we were verified. And now they said, uh, one of you didn't pass the health test. Kellyanne immediately started crying because she has... I don't know what it's called, but it's some kind of a birth defect where her heart, she gets heart murmurs and it's a problem. And she thought it was her fault for getting our whole team kicked off because of her heart murmurs. And I was like, uh, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about because I'm training for this jujitsu tournament. I'm the strongest I've ever been. I have zero body fat. I'm, you know, physically in the best shape I could ever be. I'm eating chicken breast and, you know, air at that point and then they bring us all in a back room and tell us individually what's the problem and this producer says Isaac you're the problem and I was like why and they're like well I can't divulge that information to you because you know legally MTV is not allowed to uh, divulge medical information I was like, it's my medical information. You can't tell me how I'm dying. You just have to fly me out to a random country and then just let me chill in a hotel and scare the shit out of everybody. Dis eliminate my entire team, but you're not allowed to tell me what my medical problem is. Literally, am I dying? Uh, legally, we can't tell you that. And I was like, this is bullshit. So... We hung out in Turkey for a while. Me and Dunbar went to some underground establishments that possibly could have been sex trafficking. We left, obviously. We we're not into sex trafficking, but 
then I went home and I went back to the doctor. I drove to the doctor that I got my health check from. And I was like, MTV kicked me out of Turkey because they said there was something wrong with me. They wouldn't tell me what it is at all. Not even at all. What's wrong with my health check? You have to tell me I paid you. This is a doctor's visit. And the lady, the nurse, who was a fairly attractive nurse, I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> she literally looked at me and went, honestly, we put you on that treadmill with the face mask? I've never seen anybody run so long and so hard as you did. How much you want to bet me? The black nurse. I know. And she was like, I watched you run on that treadmill. I've never seen anyone run as long or as hard on a treadmill as you did. She's like, there was nothing wrong with your health examination. So to answer your question, no. I don't know why they replaced me with Big Easy, who literally had a heart attack, a fucking heart attack on the beach. He had a heart attack on the beach and almost died out of unphysical fitness. And I was in the best shape of my life. So, no, I don't know why they did that. Do you think it uh, played a part in, like, maybe, you know, they figured by adding, you know, Camilla and Cara, like, because they were on the fresh meat team. Do you think it was all, uh, you know, potentially a hoax and that they just wanted to get those two on the uh, season? Maybe. I don't know. I think everything in reality TV is a hoax. Like, that is what they do. They, they are not out there. Because they feel a personal connection with you learning a new character. Like, it's a money game. Like, everything they do in reality TV is what they think will get the best. So maybe, I haven't really even thought about it until now, but maybe they heard our microphones or something. And they realized that Dunbar and Evan have already made a decision and a discussion that... We know who the winners are going to be, so it's not going to be this, you know, up and down, ebb and flow season of back and forth, and it's just going to ruin TV. I don't know, but the fact is, we got kicked off, and even the doctor, the do- I talked to the doctor and the nurse that said I didn't do anything wrong, I didn't fail any single exam, and MTV couldn't tell me pinpoint blank. What was the problem? So I'm still pissed about it to this day. Dunbar is pissed about it because he pretty much took out a like a mortgage or something because he thought we were gonna, you know, win over a hundred thousand dollars each. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what their deal is, but there's a lot of there's a lot. I'm not supposed to talk about it, but at this point in my life, I don't really care. You want to hear a real fun story? Sure, shoot. Uh, I don't know if I should go there. But somebody got raped with a toothbrush. Well, I'm per- if, if it's what I think you're talking about, I think it's... Uh... Um, and they, they, they had a back deal settlement on why they shouldn't go to court, but it was 100% rape in front of 100% of people with 100% of no security, still almost six or seven years later, 
after I brought up the security issue and some people took someone's toothbrush and put it inside of a girl who was dead asleep. And to me, that is 100% sexual assault. And it's not okay in any circumstance. I don't care how funny it is. You don't insert something in someone that's asleep. But they paid it away. MTV did. But they don't like it when people talk about it. But I'm not talking about it. Right. So we'll leave it at that and uh, get to my next topic, which was I read somewhere that you knew. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The kill card. Which one, uh, you know, which wasn't the kill card or which one was? I uh, thought I did know. Right. So what made you uh, not choose uh, that during the uh, Johnny elimination? Um, well, no, no. What happened was, and I could be incorrect, I'm just, I like to preface everything I say with, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but there was kill cards. Mm -hmm. And I went, and this is what made Zach hate me so much, by the way, is he realized I knew what the kill cards were. And I knew what they were because I'm an artist and I'm a craftsman and I could see that each of the pieces of wood that they flip over were one of them was a kill card. So I just started memorizing what the kill cards were. But my dumbass talked about it with Kahuta while my mic was on and said they made new kill cards. And that the new kill card looked like the old kill cards. And so... Me and Cutter, if you can't really see it, but you can kind of see it, I'm talking to him like, dude, the thing looks just like the thing. It's not exact, but it looks just like the other one. Like, and he's like, do not pick that one. But he didn't say it loud. And I was like, which one? And I picked the one he told me not to pick because I misunderstood what he was saying. And I picked the kill card, like, immediately. And it was so stupid, but... You know, give it up for MTV for having microphones on me and me not realizing I had a microphone on me. But <laughs> right. I Johnny and, and me and Johnny, <laughs> first of all, I love Johnny Bands, and that's another example of someone that's awesome in real life. And he's cool on TV, but he plays the bad guy. He plays the dick a lot of times, but he is awesome in real life. And... Me and him, the one of the first nights when we were partying in the house, got into a wrestling match. And I decided, this is not someone I want to wrestle again. Because he's just a, he's a solid piece of fucking rock. Like, I jumped at him. He got pissed off because I peed on him in the shower. We have a multi-dude shower in the house. And I thought it was funny that I peed on the back of his leg and he didn't think it was that funny. And we started wrestling and uh, very shortly into us wrestling, I was like, God bless every inch of this dude is solid. Like I can't, I can't. So that's the last man in the house I would have chosen to fight. But I picked the wrong card. I had to fight him. And honestly, He's, uh, he's Johnny Bananas. He deserves to win. I'm Isaac Stout. I deserve to backpack through Uruguay. 
Now, you've mentioned Zach a few times. What is, uh, you know, your thoughts on Zach? Because he's actually come up a ton in this uh, podcast that I've done with various cast members. Well, on the challenge, they used to call Zach the, uh, I'm not going to remember it. They called him Goliath. Because he is, he's like six foot six. I'm talking about, he's a exercise instructor, whatever that means. But that man is a chiseled, strong ass six foot six man. He looks like Goliath. He's hard to deal with. If it's me and Zach in any kind of physical competition, I'm not going to be boisterous about this. He'd probably win on most everything. And uh, here's another thing about the challenges that's not fair. is that the dudes always have to compete against dudes. The girls have to keep, compete against girls. But it's not really fair because the girls are, they vary in height about three inches and they vary in weight about 15 pounds. The guys, Zach is a foot and a half taller than me and he's a hundred pounds more than me. That's not fair. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's about the dudes, really. And the guys are the ones that make the challenge. And I'm not really sure what we're talking about. But Zach, yeah, he's a fucking brick house. Just full circle. Mm-hmm. Now, what about the uh, present for uh, Kahuta? That they talked about it at the reunion that you gave to Kahuta when you, uh, you know. <laughs> you I think that's your- the point in the podcast. I think we both know that my sense of humor is, it's a tinge bit, you know, out of line. Um, And Kahuta knows that, and that's why we're good friends. He knows that, you know, sometimes being inappropriate and being funny is more important than being socially responsible. Um, So, yeah. I gave him a bag of shit for his birthday, but he loved it, and it, and he understood me, so he knew that that's how Isaac expresses his love. In an ex- so now, were there any other close calls for you in terms of you know almost uh, doing a challenge after the one that you last did on free agent? Speak your piece on it. So talk, talk to me about uh, what you're doing. My- that you were the interviewer and I was the interviewee. So asking questions was your job. So talk to me a little bit about uh, what you're up to with that uh, traveling uh, and how it kind of works. All right. So my... All right. Well, actually, it relates to the real world. You care if I rip a sig? No, you're fine. All right. So... <laughs> she hates me. So here's the deal. Um, when I was on the real world, it relates. Oh shit! I already had. Well, you could see that we are on real world Sydney, and our job 
was to um, be travel host for Contiki Travel, right? Yes. Yeah. So Contiki Travel is a worldwide travel company, and they're awesome, and I love Contiki, and they're the best. But personally, as you can tell by my sense of humor and my personality in general, I'm not really the most cookie-cutter type of person in the world. So, we had to, our job on the real world was to create an itinerary for Sydney. That was our job. And I was like, okay. And we had a couple teams, and I was on one team, and the other people were on one team, and we did it. And I won, Avi, and uh, I came up with the best itinerary for Sydney, Australia in our season, and the president of Kentucky Travel said, you know, Isaac is super cool, Isaac is very good at tourism, and I'm a born traveler, that's all I do, is travel, I like it, I don't know why, but I love it, so... I got hired by Kentucky and a couple other travel companies after the fact to write itineraries, to research stuff. I'm just good at travel. And I remember being on a tour at one point, and the kids, I call them kids, they're just a little bit younger than me, but they're like, you know, we would do the whole day tour, and I'm like, oh, look at the museums, and look at the statues, and this was 1940, and blah, 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 stuff that I didn't care about. And they're like, what'd you do last night? And I'm like, oh, my God. So, between me and you, last night, I did this, 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 and this. And they're like, what the fuck? We paid all this money to come on this vacation, and we're doing the museum and building tour, and you're going out at night and doing these awesome things. And I was like, oh, I didn't invent Kentucky. I just worked for them. And they're like, can we do your thing? And I was like, well, maybe the thing that makes me the most happiest is traveling and investigating underground, off-the-beaten-path travel. And... Maybe there's other people that are just as crazy as me that like to travel like that. And now, with this millennial Instagram generation, it's solidified. So, I started the Bucket List Club, and I started the first ever only travel company that does bucket lists. And sorry for smoking on camera, I'm sure you have to... Talk about it. Nah, you're fine. I know I am. But the thing is that you have to, when I watch a TV show, they say, you know, there's smoking in this show. There is people with possible mental disabilities in this show. 
And I'm like, well, I have to tell the host of my podcast that beforehand, before, you know, I do that. But the Bucket List Club goes to the coolest events, the most awe-inspiring, amazing things on the planet, when and where they happen. So we go to Oktoberfest in Munich. We go to the Full Moon Party in Thailand. We go to one month, every single month, we go to ugh, I quit cigarettes. That's gross. But we go to everything on the planet. Mexican, Day of the Dead, Mexico City. Like, we do the coolest stuff on the planet when and where it happens. That's what we do. And people are always like, that's crazy. Like, do that. And I'm like, yes, we can. But we're not your grandfather's travel company. We are two young entrepreneurs that not only do these events, but if the event is Mexican Day of the Dead, then we also dress like Everyone dresses like Prince the day before, and we sing Purple Rain. Why? I don't know. Why not? You know, we do cool stuff, and we do the coolest things on the planet. On the planet for existence. How many, you know, people can say that? And then outside of that, we do it with the most wonderful, unique, intelligent people on the planet. The Bucket List Club is a club of people. We're not a travel company. We're a club that are made up of people that are IT people. They are lawyers. They are bartenders. They are strippers. They are like this unique collage of insanely interesting people doing the coolest stuff on the planet when and where it happens around the world. Wow, it can't get any better than that, man. You That's see a lot of people. No one yeah. really believes me. But you I'm get like, a lot of people after the show that are either working like nine to fives or like, you know, just bumbling around with themselves. But at least you're doing something that's, you know, worthwhile for yourself. And it's, uh, you know, helping you out in the long run. You know what I mean? I'm trying to tell you, I could not, I could not create or think of a better life for myself than what I have, but the problem is with the COVID obviously screwed us over, but there's two people, two types of people that deal with COVID that I've heard of. And you would think that as a young entrepreneur, I would be struck the hardest with COVID because you know I have a travel company another young man and this has to just devastate us but the two different types of people that are dealing with covid are one uh, i'm gonna sit on the couch and i'm gonna deal with it and blah 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 and get through it and there are people that went back to the drawing board and said all right well our company is affected so we need to re-digest it, and we need to figure out how to solve it. And 
that's what me and my partner Jay did, and we came up with three trips, three new trips for the end of this year that are. I don't even know how to explain it, but there are certain people that this will be the best experience of your life. And there are certain people that will be like, that's a horrible, offensive idea. You should not have done that whatsoever. But we're traveling the Southwest. We're going on kind of a National Lampoon's vacation through the Southwest. We're stopping in, and this is just America, stopping in hippie communities that have been off the grid for decades. We're doing Vegas. We're doing Tijuana in the same trip. Then we have a trip to uh, Mexico, which is my favorite trip of the year because we hang out with a Mexican family. We do Day of the Dead. We go to a cemetery where... In America, they're like, oh, you know, a cemetery is a way to celebrate people's life and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, bullshit. Everyone's still dressed in black and everyone's still crying and blah, blah, blah. When you actually go to Mexico, you have 77-year-old women that hang hand you a bottle of tequila and go, drink this shit, puss. In Mexico, and everyone's turned up like there are fires there are parties there are fun stuff and that's how you celebrate the actual dead and then on new year's we're going to bali wow and we're gonna do yoga at five o'clock in the morning with yoga instructors but the beach happens to be black sand and wow. if you look out at five o'clock in the morning there happens to be dolphins jumping up and down in the water that's a cool thing to do you know, we're seeing bioluminescence, glowing organisms. That's all we do is bucket list club stuff. And the people that are normal travelers that are on Instagram, they're like, oh, what's up, Cancun? Cancun, snap, snap, snap. Those people never get on the trip because you're only allowed to come on our trips if you are a bucket list club member. And if someone watches this podcast and goes, you know what? Isaac seems like a bit of a lunatic. And I don't like what he's saying. That's fine. Do you have any uh, information you want me to drop for the people to where they could uh, check this thing out? Yeah, but I feel like I gave a forewarning on who we are and what we do. So if you are not, if you don't have an open heart and an open mind, do not apply. But if you do and you want to engage and grow your life to be something better than it is, if you not just not just make your life better, but if you want to make your life kind of jump started, then go to www. Oh my God, did that not sound like such a used car salesman? www.bucketlistclub.earth, not .com, because me and .com have our own problems, but .earth, and just read the stuff, look at it. If it's who you are, then we have a whole bunch of people that are extremely intelligent, creative, and off their fucking rocker <laughs> that you can join 
and we do literally the coolest stuff in the world when and where it happens. And if you look at me and you listen to this podcast and you say, uh, that guy's out of his mind, then don't apply. And I appreciate I appreciate you coming on here, man. I'll put the uh, link to your thing in the uh, description for the video, and I uh, hope you and uh, Jordan had fun doing this as well. Oh, I had a blast, man. Thank you for having me. Well, I hope you're uh, staying safe, man, and uh, take care. I'm not. Bye. Bye.